And really the goal of the, the award and the goal of our overall project is to prevent chronic disease. So how do we do that? We can make it easier to walk and bike and increase opportunities for physical activity. And we can also make it easier to get healthy food. So being able to have access to a grocery store or um, healthy snacks uh, and, and really thinking about connecting planning to the public health profession. Welcome to Infinite Earth Radio. We believe that in a world of finite natural resources, a smart and sustainable future is only possible by lifting up people and unleashing unlimited human potential. Infinite Earth Radio will not only help you learn from bright visionary civic leaders who are building smarter, more inclusive and sustainable communities, but you'll discover how you can bring these ideas to your community. And now, here are your hosts, Mike Hancox and Vernice Miller-Travis. Welcome back to Infinite Earth Radio, where we talk with thought leaders and change agents who are transforming the future by building smarter, more sustainable, and more equitable communities. This is your host, Mike Hancox, and this is one in a series of podcasts recorded at the 2017 New Partners for Smart Growth Conference in St. Louis, Missouri. Our topic today, planning for health, how to fight deadly chronic diseases, by planning and designing better communities. My guest today is Elizabeth Hartig. She's the project coordinator for Plan for Health of the American Planning Association. Welcome, Elizabeth. Thank you. So, Elizabeth, let's start with a question. How did you become involved in planning and for health issues? That's a great question. Um, my background is actually in social work. So I worked with a community foundation in Chicago, really thinking about how we can reach vulnerable populations, how we can support families and women and girls. Um, and a lot of our work focused around places. So where people were and how that impacted their lives and their health and their choices. And so when the opportunity to work with the Plan for Health project came up, I was really excited to take this to a, a deeper level and really think about how the design of our communities can, can impact our lives and make changes in the way that we go to school, we go to work, we get our food. And there's really an opportunity there to redesign and rethink our communities. So the Plan for Health program is part of the American Planning Association. Tell us a little bit about the American Planning Association. Sure. So APA is a membership organization. We have about 38,000 members across the country. Uh, our members are working at all different levels uh, with local communities um, and regions, really thinking about how we can create healthy vibrant communities. In addition to our general membership, we have got chapters. So we have 47 chapters where folks who are working in a particular state can connect with each other and share resources, continue their education. And then we also have divisions. So 21 interest areas. If you're a planner that's really passionate about transportation, you can connect with other like-minded planners. So the Plan for Health initiative, are there specific objectives that you're trying to achieve? Yes. So APA was awarded a grant from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention in September of 2014. So we are in our second and a half year of the project. Uh, and really the goal of the award and the goal of our overall project is to prevent chronic disease. So how do we do that? We can make it easier to walk and bike and increase opportunities for physical activity. And we can also make it easier to get healthy food. So being able to have access to a grocery store or um, healthy snacks and really thinking about connecting planning to the public health profession. Uh, so what's really fabulous, and you may know this um, as a planner yourself, that planning and public health really have a, a shared history. So as the cities and urban spaces were being developed in the 19th century, planners and public health professionals were really united in their efforts to prevent the spread of infectious disease. 
And since that time, I've separated and become a little bit more siloed. We've got our own jargon and our own way of thinking about things. And what we're hoping to do is, is really join forces again in the 21st century to prevent chronic disease and, and to really make our places healthier. Yeah, I think when the professions were together, they were looking at a different set of public health issues, right? So, And now we're looking more at these chronic health issues. Mm-hmm. Any sense, is there any literature out there... I know that we work with communities, a lot of under-resourced communities. There's a lot of focus on access to health care. Mm-hmm. To what degree does community design impact health versus access to health care? That's a great question. And I think a lot of times we think about health equaling health care. But really, most of your health is not happening at the doctor's office. It's happening in your daily life. And so really thinking about the social determinants of health, so our access to schools and education. I'm sure you've heard the phrase where you live impacts is more important than your, your genetic code. So your zip code is more important than your genetic code. And really thinking about how the, the shape of our environment, the, whether or not we have sidewalks, whether or not we can get to a grocery store, that those choices and those challenges can really affect our overall health. So we have this dynamic where we, we built a, a whole infrastructure of communities around cars, mm-hmm. not around walking. And so what do we do? How do we move from this built environment we have that we can't abandon? How do we move to a more healthy community design given current investments and current assets? Sure. Well, we're fortunate to have lots of great examples within the Plan for Health project. So we have supported 35 local coalitions across the country in really thinking about these issues. So thinking about increased opportunities for physical activity or increased access to nutritious food. On the physical activity side, uh, there are lots of folks who are thinking about complete streets efforts or safe routes to school efforts. Uh, One really great example to kind of get to your question about streets being designed for cars or infrastructure being really built around the automobile or kind of a a different way of thinking or or less healthy way of thinking. We have our our coalition from St. Louis. Uh, So here at the conference, they actually have a session and they'll be talking about their pop-up traffic calming demonstration work. And so it was a wonderful, uh, fun project where they worked with local residents to really think about what would they like to see their street actually be instead of this kind of almost thoroughfare where, where cars are just zooming by, what if the street uh, were about walking and biking for a day or even just a few hours in some cases? And so the the coalition worked with residents and other stakeholders and they painted uh, these wonderful tires hot pink to kind of slow cars down. They, they built out some curb bump outs and they, they really said, you know what, this street is for our community today and you're going to have to go 25 miles an hour and you were going to all sit here and think about what would it be like if this were our everyday everyday lives and we could easily walk to the park and not have to worry about a speeding car or we could safely cross the street. So they, they actually put down temporary crosswalks and they had some great planters and flowers to just make it uh, really a place that you, people would want to be in to spend time. Um, so I, I do think a, a big piece of that is is demanding in the sense that empowering maybe and not demanding that we we reclaim our streets and, and really streets and, and our communities are about the people and not and not the things or the cars that are moving through them. What do you think the big obstacles are to making that happen? What what do we need to do to get a movement moving faster, if you will? You know, I think some of it is is just not understanding what planning is, really. I think that for many residents and, and um, I myself included when I was living in Chicago, not knowing who to talk to about these issues or not knowing the right avenues for connecting with our local uh, planning and zoning folks. Um, and I think the really ironic part is that the planning and zoning folks want to connect with residents since there's a little bit of a disconnect there that that we can certainly remedy just by 
education, getting out and about in the community, not having community meetings at times when no one can come, but making it easier for folks to share their opinion and their feedback and to really understand the process. It doesn't have to be a mystery. It doesn't have to be complicated. Of course, it is complicated when you're when you're making these infrastructure changes, but it doesn't have to be, we don't have to put in unnecessary barriers or use unnecessary jargon. Even kind of talking about the built environment, sometimes I, you know, what exactly does that mean to someone who's not living and breathing planning every day? And, and so starting to use just different words to describe things and, and to really activate people's imagination, too. I think that's what was so great about the St. Louis Project. It was really fun. People had a great time. And planning can be fun. We had Dan Burton from the Blue Zone Project as a guest previously on the show. Okay. So Dan, I think they call him the, the Johnny Appleseed of walkable communities or <laughs> bikeable communities. And we had this conversation with Blue Zones, for the guests who don't know, are they've studied places around the world where people live significantly longer as a whole. The whole population tends to live longer. And they've determined the characteristics of those communities. What are the common things that they have? Mm -hmm. And how do we replicate that, right? Mm -hmm. So obviously one of these is walkable communities that people don't drive vehicles as much in these places. Um, And my conversation, I had a conversation with Dan about red zones, what I'm calling red zones, which Mm -hmm. is the fact that in our country, there are places where health outcomes are significantly they're much lower. The quality of health outcomes is much lower. They tend to be more urban areas. They tend to be communities of color mm-hmm. and significant differences in health outcomes. So to the degree, how, what degree does your work focus on those communities in terms of what do we need to do to make those places healthier for the folks who live in those communities? Mm. Well, and, and first of all, I have to say I'm a big fan of the Blue Zones Project. We um, have certainly benefited in terms of Plan for Health from the work that other communities have done around Blue Zones. In our Iowa project, Plan for Health project, we were focused on Lynn County and, and the city of Marion in Iowa, and Blue Zones had really been activated in Cedar Rapids. And so all of that great investment and momentum certainly made it easier for us to implement some of our Plan for Health strategies. So it's been fabulous to learn more about, about that work. One key part of Plan for Health is really thinking about our work with a lens of equity. So really acknowledging that there are red zones or there are places where folks do not have access to healthy food or are not able to safely walk in the streets. So we asked all of our coalitions during their application process to become part of the program to really think about the data that they have available, to really be intentional about targeted investment uh, in in areas of their cities or their their regions uh, where folks do need a little bit of extra support. And so unpacking that conversation that we have here at the conference quite a bit in terms around equity versus equality and really being thoughtful in terms of making investments that will that will benefit those who, who really need it the most. Fantastic. One of the th- conversations we've, we've had here at Infinite Earth Radio is around the, there's a market demand for walkable communities, whether it be the millennial generation or now the, the baby boom generation that's now more empty nester. People want to live in more urban walkable communities, and that's part of what is driving real estate prices in certain communities through the roof is there's just not enough supply to match the demand. Mm-hmm. And and I have friends who are in the you know the development real estate business. Do you work with those folks? What are you doing to try to get the um business side of things, the people who are building our communities to be more responsive to that market demand but also to incorporate health into their thinking? Is there anything you're doing along those lines? So one aspect of the Plan for Health project is to really think about change with with coalitions. So 
the core relationship is between the, the planner and the public health professional, but really bringing in other stakeholders as well. And so there's a, our project in Columbus, Ohio, for example, they were an established coalition within the, the public health department. And their list of collaborators is just, it's a mile long. They've got everyone from, you know, food pantries and universities to private sector partners. And so I think that's something that we're really encouraging our coalition members to think about. And, and certainly for planners and public health folks on the ground, we all know that we have to engage the private sector and, and to really make the case that this will ultimately benefit you as a small business owner. At the national level, at the American Planning Association, we do partner with Urban Land Institute and other folks who are, who are trying to think about how we can connect our network of members and, and to really share information and to, to think about, you know, what do we have in common? What is our shared vision in terms of community health? Fantastic. So where can people learn more about Plan for Health? Well, we have a special website, uh, plan4health.us. And so on our website, we list all 35 coalitions who have participated in the project or are currently participating in the project. Each coalition has their own page, so they talk a little bit about the work that they're doing in their community. They have reports or project deliverables. And we also have a really great section of the website called the Peer Learning Network the PLN for the insiders. Um, so the Peer Learning Network is, hosts a number of videos where you can actually hear from community members directly talking about their experiences and lessons learned. We do have a series of our own podcasts uh, where we've in, uh, interviewed different coalition members as they talk about their projects. And we also have a, a series of mini webinars. So one of our lessons learned uh, in terms of administering the, the Plan for Health project is that everyone is extremely busy and you just don't have time to sit down and listen to a full 60 minutes about what's happening in Lynn County, Iowa, for example. But some people do have time to listen to five minutes or to seven minutes or three minutes. And so we asked coalition members to really think about what's one transferable skill or one lesson learned that you would really like to share with your peers, your colleagues, and other folks across the country. And so we do have a great library of those mini webinars, about 30 or 40 or so. Um, and we encourage folks to check that out. So if you could get every community in this country to do a, one or two things to make healthier communities. Like if I were a community that wanted to be healthier, what, what are some of the first things I would look at? What are what are the most important first steps? Well, I think no matter where you are or where you think you are in, in the spectrum of a healthy community, it's important to start with your strengths. So what is going well? I think a lot of times planners are certainly guilty of this as, as many others coming into a place and, and giving your recommendations. I think you need to do this. This is wrong. This is not working. And that doesn't make anyone want to engage in a conversation or a project. And so really kind of stepping back and, and saying, well, you know what? This is a really difficult intersection. We can't get across this street, but there's a park on the right here. And, and maybe uh, we could think about making a connection or building on the, the activities that are happening in the park in the evenings. Um, so really taking a strength-based approach um, has been something that we've certainly seen uh, in Plan for Health as being a successful strategy and is a way to, to make sure that the conversation is, is moving in a positive direction. And, and I think also signals to community members and coalition members, we value what you bring to the table and we want to listen to you and we want to build on the, the work that you've already done. And I really do think the equity question that you, you mentioned earlier, the kind of red zone reference you made, is really important. And so having some tough conversations, I think that we can all gather around the table at a community meeting with the friends that we know already, but but making space for voices that we, we don't know and, and making sure that we're always kind of assessing ourselves. Is everyone here who should be here? Sometimes we're thinking about projects or designs that will impact residents who are not at the table, and, and we certainly want to avoid doing that. So really prioritizing equity and making space for a range of perspectives. Yeah, I think that in the planning work that we do, I, I think that one of the biggest mistakes that planners make, regardless of 
what their focus is, is they come with an agenda mm. rather than starting with an assessment of what the community cares about mm-hmm. and then seeing where your agenda intersects with their agenda and yep. where it can be supportive and helpful. And I think you get a lot, you get just a totally different dynamic within the community, mm-hmm. support for where you want to get to. Oh, I completely agree. And there's, we were interviewing our Plan for Health coalition members in Columbus, Indiana, and they, they talked about that exact experience. One of the engineers with the city talked about going to community meetings with their fancy design drawings already done and basically looking for a rubber stamp and getting a lot of pushback and, and being frustrated and surprised by that. And then fast forward a few years down the road and and really thinking about co-creating these designs with community members and coming in with an open mind and having folks engage in that process. And it's just been the end result is not only, you know, better for everyone involved, the community folks are excited about it, but it's this it's a way to kind of continue that conversation. So you're not having to to rebuild that that will for change every time you you kind of bring in a new idea. You're you're this is one continuing effort to make our cities uh, stronger and healthier. Fantastic. One last quick question. Early on, you, you mentioned that you've been working on this for about two and a half years. Mm-hmm. Is there a, an expected end of this program, or will this be an ongoing program? It is ending in September, actually. So it's a three-year project. So the first two years, we were really focused on these place-based coalitions, so 35 coalitions who are part of the Plan for Health project. And then uh, just yesterday, we officially launched a new part of the work called Planners for Health. Uh, so it is really about continuing this conversation at the state level and engaging the APA chapters in, in ongoing healthy communities work. Uh, so we were excited to announce last week 28 of our chapters are involved in the Planners for Health initiative. Um, we'll be showcasing the lessons learned from our local communities throughout the, the six-month project period, so between now until about July or so. And we're really encouraging our chapter members to kind of continue to assess and to think about the healthy communities work in their in their area and where maybe planners can tap into either conversations that are already happening or maybe it's time to start a conversation that, that isn't happening. So our goal by the end of the project, by the end of September, is that the work will continue in a form that maybe we're not exactly sure how things will look, but the, the conversations will continue, APA will continue to be involved in this, the healthy communities work, and then all of the great lessons learned that we've heard from our coalitions will, will live on. Elizabeth, thank you so much. Thanks for taking the time to be with us today, and thanks for the work that you do. Oh, thank you for having me. And thank you all for listening. We look forward to seeing you next time on Infinite Earth Radio. Infinite Earth Radio is a podcast produced by Skio in association with the Local Government Commission. To learn more about Skio, Infinite Earth Radio guests, or how you can make a difference in your community, visit our website at infiniteearthradio.com or join us on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash Infinite Earth Radio and Twitter by following at Infinite Earth Radio.